Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Award. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Okay. Yells. It is cold in here. I am sorry. The pod closet is cold. It is. <laughs> Um, yeah, my feet are freezing. Like, I ended up just, like, layering on, like, an extra blanket and a pillow on top of my blankets last night just because I, my feet were freezing. So, oh, I have gosh. been wearing slippers for, like, two weeks. Uh-huh. <laughs> and today, I have on a long-sleeve thermal shirt. Mm-hmm. That's little thumb- I noticed. It's so nice. Yes. Got it at Walmart. And thermal mm-hmm. pants. And I'm probably going to wrap myself in a blanket at some point during this because it's snowing and I hate it. Honestly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So then why don't we just jump in? We can talk about how ridiculously crazy, crazy the world is, especially right now, and how it's kind of hard to decipher sometimes truth from fiction. Well, like a lot of the time, a lot of the time. Um. And so what we have to do is to figure this out, we have to find sources and understand them and any necessary background and biases with them, like in newspapers and stuff and so on. And today we're going to be talking about truth a little bit and how it's hard to find no matter where. And that's why people turn to religion. And yet even as people see at churches, it can be very hard to understand how to behave or what is true, etc. And so that's what we're talking about today. And yeah, I started and then I just kind of snowballed. Um <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Basically, today we're talking about the difference between church culture versus doctrine of the church, because the lines get blurred a lot. And as we're seeing from, like, Senator Mike Lee out in Utah, who thinks that Donald Trump is Captain Moroni, clearly we have a problem blurring the lines between culture and doctrine. So we're going to be discussing that. And... For those of you that think that we don't have culture in the church, I want you to refer back to the mockumentary phenomenon that was Sons of Provo from the early 2000s. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. That's all I'm going to oh say. Oh, my gosh. I never even saw the whole thing, but I, oh. It's wow. my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There was a point in my mission which I'm not sure if it was allowed or not, but it's too late now. It's been a long time um, where we were told that we were allowed to listen to like EFY music. And one of my companions downloaded the entire Sense of Provo soundtrack and we would listen to it in our house. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what? It's my favorite oh my thing God. ever. Nothing brings me as much joy <laughs> as Sons of Provo. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Anyways, so, <laughs> you think we don't have oh. culture. I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. Heck, yes. Oh, there are so many different so many different elements to our culture. And I just saw that on Twitter the other day where it's like, okay, like, let's go through all these Mormon things. Trek, funeral potatoes, etc. And it's like, we have a lot, like... Yeah, there, there's a lot that we consider to be wholesome and part of our faith, and it's really just our culture. Yeah. So, okay, let's, <laughs> let's jump in. Mm-hmm. We're going to start by talking about what the difference is between culture and doctrine, because yes. that's a good place to start. And we like to exactly. find things. <laughs> groundwork, you guys, groundwork. All right. So at the very bottom, though, we do need to consider what religion is. That's a social cultural system of designated behaviors and practices, morals, worldviews, texts, sanctified places, prophecies, ethics or organizations that relate humanity to supernatural, transcendental or spiritual elements. So consider that within our sphere, I guess, the groundwork. What holds us up? All right, then for doctrine, so doctrine, and this is all by Wikipedia because Wikipedia is a legitimate source, I believe. So um, doctrine is a codification of beliefs or a body of teachings or instructions taught principles or positions as the essence of teachings in a given branch of knowledge or in a belief system. Clear. Cut. And then finally, okay, then culture is an umbrella term which encompasses the social behavior and norms 
found in human societies as well as the knowledge, beliefs, arts, laws, customs, capabilities, and habits of the individuals in these groups. Yes. So culture stems from the beliefs, but they are not the actual beliefs. They should never be the same thing as doctrine. Yes. I think yes. Yes. that's an important thing to differentiate. I like just how the definition for doctrine is that it's beliefs or a body of teachings and instructions. Simple. Right there. And mm-hmm. then culture is all behavior and social norms. So, like, we don't base a religion off of social norms or behaviors or anything like that. It's specific teachings and instructions. So let's differentiate that right now. Keep on to that. So yeah, so like doctrine is like, it's the core of everything. And culture is like the the jumping off point where like, okay, like we believe this, so we do that. Yeah. Like that's how they connect. They're not the same thing they never have been and for me personally this is something that i've been really trying to work a lot on lately with my faith especially and better understanding what is and is not true doctrine because we have a lot of strange beliefs in the church i just learned that the the white horse prophecy thing isn't legitimate i never knew what the white horse prophecy so it's it's about someone coming to save the constitution some religious person coming to save the constitution from a religious perspective essentially the very bare basics i don't remember anything more because it's about the constitution and my parents are obsessed with the constitution um that i i remember like inhabiting that belief a bit and i remember it being talked about and being like but being considered potentially true and so i kind of just kind of stuck with the belief like oh yeah okay so we will have a white horse kind of figure coming in it's not real it sounds like a cult leader's fever dream that he had yes. to start his cult. Oh my god. That's gosh. what it sounds like. Yes. Okay, so yeah. going <laughs> off <on>. of this. <laughs> going off of this, I found a couple quotes on what qualifies as doctrine from fairmormon.org, which was linked on the church website. Nice. So okay. if you think that I'm looking at like some anti-Mormon stuff. I would like to reassure you that I typed in what is doctrine on churchofjesuschrist.org, and this was one of the links that came up. So mm-hmm. it's an affiliate link under the Gospel Topic Doctrine. Okay, nice. Do your research. Okay. Do it. This first quote says, Not every utterance by every general authority constitutes as official doctrine. In such matters, one can find differences of opinion among church members and leaders. Until the truth of these matters is made known by revelation, there is room for different levels of understanding and interpretation of unsettled issues. This includes statements given in general conference. Conference talks, while certainly beneficial for the spiritual edification of the saints, generally focus on revealed official truths. They do not expand official doctrine. Truth is not an office or a position to which one is ordained. That is so important, and I love that. That's so obvious. Like, whenever you hear, like, things from conference you're just, if something doesn't rub you the right way, then that's okay. Like, you don't mm-hmm. need to, like, live in fear that you're a bad person or anything. It just means that it, it doesn't agree with you and that's okay. Like if you do feel the revelation, the spirit speaking to you and saying that something is true, then that is great. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You can accept that, but you don't have to accept everything that's being said. Yes. So I picked these quotes and the next two I'll read or the okay. next one I'll read in a minute. Yeah. So I picked this quote specifically because we do get a lot of arguments online from former members of the church or from people that are like trying to like decide if they want to stay or leave the church entirely Mm -hmm. and it always boils down to what is said in general conference and Mm -hmm. how and how certain people and certain presidents of the church in the past have also said very racist things so it's very important to recognize that like this quote specifically not everything said by a general authority is official doctrine period And I'll explain right now how we know what official doctrine is. So continuing from this Fair Mormon article, it says, how do we know then what is doctrine and what is not? 
First, it must generally conform to what has already been revealed. It makes no difference what is written or what anyone has said if what has been said is in direct conflict with what the Lord has revealed. The standard works are the measuring yardsticks and balances by which we measure every man's doctrine. So, I want you guys to remember what we already have revealed in the scriptures, so like in the Bible, in the Book of Mormon, in the Doctrine of Covenants, in the Pearl of Great Price. Those are the solid concrete doctrines that we have been taught repeatedly throughout thousands of years by Jesus Christ, by his direct servants that he instructed to write and record everything. And that is what we measure everything off of. And then again, that last that first part of the quote is it needs to conform to what has already been revealed. Mm-hmm. So like what you were saying, Kaylee, when you feel like something is rubbing you the wrong way in conference, that's okay. It could be mm-hmm. that you are picking up on something that does not go in line with what has already been revealed that a speaker is saying, or it could be that you just need to go back, take some time, Ask the Lord your questions and ask if it's actually true what you're hearing. And the Lord will tell you the truth always. He will never lie to you. The Spirit cannot tell you lies. So you know that if you are getting those feelings that these things are true, then that's it. Mm-hmm. Period. Yes, I love that. And yeah, you, yes, because I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I got some, and I think we talked a little bit about this in our last general conference episode where it's like, okay, some people saw this this way, but then I didn't, I saw it this other way. And that's okay. Like that's how personal revelation works. Yeah. And some things are not going to work for people and that's okay. And that's something that we need to accept is happening, will happen and has happened in the past. Like you said, our general authorities, like our church leaders have not always said the perfect thing. And we're supposed to question things. We're supposed to seek out the truth no matter what. And if we don't find the truth in what is being said, then that is okay. Like that is a valid experience. And in a way, it kind of should happen to people. Like just for the actual reminder that not every that they need to focus on their own personal revelation yeah. and everything. I grew up say, believing that everything that the church said was always true, that it was all pure doctrine. Yes. So you can imagine the trials and tribulations I have gone through. Mostly, I mean, did I put myself through it? Yes. Did Could someone and should someone have made this more clear to me growing up? Definitely. Um, but it's taken me a long time, and it's still taking me a long time, to better understand what on earth is going on and what is truth. And like that quote says, it's all about the standard works. And that's something that I've been putting a lot of thought into. I think it's important to remember also that, like, the Lord runs his church with imperfect people. So you Mm -hmm. can't take every single thing that a leader or a general authority says as doctrine because they still have human prejudices and biases and they're fallible. They have Mm -hmm. weaknesses. They make mistakes just like you and me. Are they called and set apart by God to do specifically better (laughs) than the rest of us (laughs) because they have been doing better than the rest of us? Yes, obviously. But Mm -hmm. you have to remember that the church itself is not perfect. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is perfect because it came from Christ. And so when you focus your testimony on that on the gospel and the doctrines of Christ instead of the church, that's where you will have that sure foundation and that's where you will stay. Just Mm -hmm. remember, there's a difference. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I love that. And yeah, we have to keep in mind that sometimes in the church or really any religion, um, I don't know this from experience, but I'm going to strongly assume this, that we do see people's interpretations of God's doctrine laws and words twisted and changed in ways that become more widely known and accepted than God's actual words and laws. Yes. And so that, that is where the church culture comes into play. Um, for example, like as children of God, we believe that we should take care of our bodies and follow the word of wisdom. Like to me, that's doctrine. Like we, we have our bodies, bodies are like temples. We need to take good care of them. Um, but then the culture comes into play on deciding what exactly necessitates those pieces. Like some people take this commandment extremely far and claim we can't have chocolate, caffeinated beverages like soda or energy drinks. And they then claim that it's doctrine, but it's not. That's a cultural belief that has taken over the core doctrine of the word of wisdom. Um, which we've talked about in episode 15, a little ways back. So like, I strongly believe that it's doctrine that we have to take care of our bodies. Like we should, it's a human thing too. Like we just should. Um, But 
culture has begun to decide exactly what that means and that doesn't make it doctrine yeah it's a culture and it's okay if we do different things yeah and I think it's important to recognize too that having culture is normal but it's also important to distinguish the difference between what is culture and what is doctrine so like we've already said culture is like the wise man building his house on the sand and how if like you know the winds came and the floods came and the house fell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then. Yes. I like that. Yes. But doctrine is like the wise man building his house on the rock. So the winds come, the floods come, the house is still there. The doctrine doesn't change. It is that solid, firm foundation. Culture constantly changes. It changes mm-hmm. with time. It changes with people. It changes with society. It changes all the time. Doctrine comes from God. Culture comes from man. That is the distinction we need you to process, recognize, and hold on to while we continue this episode and forever. (laughs) Yes, honestly. And like, this is on my mind all the time. So we are going to be repeating this a lot during this episode and possibly through the rest of our episodes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But it's just (laughs) something that we need to constantly keep in mind. And that's an ongoing process. Like we need to consider, is this true? Is this doctrine? How does this make me feel? How am I going to change in regards to this? Do I need to change? What can I do about this? Those are questions we need to constantly asking ourselves and whatever we learn and within the church. Yeah. So now we're going to move forward and we're going to talk about why we have culture in the church and what it does, how it influences us and all of that lovely stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And for that, I did find that this really cool article on heraldextra.com. Uh, from 2018 titled as the LDS church expands members say doctrine does not change, but policies and programs do. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least, yeah, I think that's what it's called, <laughs> which is a very important thing of, in regards to what we've been talking about. Okay. So in the article, Casey Griffiths, Griffiths, who is an assistant professor of church history and doctrine at BYU, um, pulled out some great content to share from this. And he's mentioned how Elder David A. Bednar has taught that the core doctrines of the church are relatively new in number. Then referring to a general conference talk by then President Boyd K. Packer, he explained that the doctrines of the church do not change, but the policies and procedures change all the time. And he goes on talking, and so does uh, Daniel Judd, who is an interim dean of Brigham Young University's College of Religious Education. And he said um, in in an interview during that time that it's very important, especially for members of the church, to distinguish between LDS church doctrine and Mormon culture. Much of the culture is wonderful, he said, but some parts of the culture can lead to lead members to harshly judge themselves and others, seeking for perfectionism that is not realistic in this life, nor is it a part of church doctrine. He said that our doctrine is beautiful, profound, and healing. He said, but our culture can become distorted. And I know I've talked about this a little bit in the past, how I've seen that come up in my life throughout my childhood, how people judge each other a lot um, within my wards. And we were always trying to like one up each other with perfectionism. And it was not a very wholesome place for me sometimes. And especially not for some, um, some of my friends and family who really struggled. Because it's not possible to be perfect in this lifetime, you guys. And it's hard to be able to see past that sometimes, to see past the culture and see through to the doctrine. Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that what Elder Bednar said and what President Packer said of the doctrines of the church not changing, but the policies and procedures change all the time. We have seen that just over the last few years as like time for church went down from three to two hours. Mm -hmm. We have gotten that big switch of home teaching and visiting teaching to ministering and it's been simplified Mm -hmm. we've had that change to home centered Mm -hmm. gospel learning instead of church centered gospel learning yes we've seen a lot of changes just over the last few years that perfectly illustrate how the policies and procedures frequently change but the doctrine and the reasons behind these changes are not changing whatsoever they are fully to bring Christ more into your home, to bring him more into your heart, to make you more Christ-like, to make your kids more Christ-like. The foundational principle and doctrine behind these changes are to bring you closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. And pulled from that article, Judd said that he he said that the Book of Mormon, one of the church's standards of doctrine, teaches the doctrine of God's grace and healing power and the love of the Savior Jesus Christ. Mormon culture can sometimes lack the peace and grace found in the scriptures and can be a factor in mental and emotional problems for its membership. And that's something that needs to always be considered. And I really like how you pointed out that he experienced this firsthand when he served as a mission president for the Ghana Accra Mission from 2011 to 2016. He was set apart <clears throat> or given a formal blessing to start that service by, by Packer. And in that blessing, Judd explained that Packer specifically counseled me not to take Utah and American culture to Africa, but to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I really like that because we do need to keep that in mind. But that's the thing. We should not be focusing on cultures. We need to be focusing on the doctrine ultimately. I, don't know, I feel like I've seen that happen in Allie's stories where missionaries do try to bring in more of the ch the church culture than the actual church doctrine when they're trying to teach others. Yeah, and that's a problem. I mean, I definitely saw the difference in the church in the Philippines versus America. Like, I mean, I've been an East Coast Mormon my whole life, and church culture is very much non-existent. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> It doesn't exist, but like, oh, get us. but like going to the Philippines, they like, there is such a stark difference in just the vibes of the people in church. Like, cause you know, when you're in an American meeting house, like everyone is kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm just being really critical, but like, it seems like everyone is superficially friendly in American churches and, like, plastering on the big smile to, like, make them think that they are. American extra, where we yeah. have to be smiling, we have to be happy, and we need to say that everything is fine and that we are perfect, essentially. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, the vibes in most of my family wards and singles wards in Florida and up the East Coast. But, like, in the Philippines, uh -huh. people come in and they just, like, radiate Christ and just... oh. Like, in every ward I attended, in every, like, area I attended in the Philippines, like, these people just truly radiate the light of Christ. And when they come in, even if they're feeling, like, really crappy, they're still just, like, glowing. And they are so happy to be there to get peace and to get the comfort that they need. And it's it's a completely different experience being mm -hmm. in church in another country. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it sounds like they were more like inwardly focused on like looking for that revelation and that that spiritual uplifting um, opportunity rather than yeah. For some others, I've definitely seen and I've been that person myself in the past where it's like okay, it's church. Like we have to go, we have to be there in our and our same benches as always. Mm -hmm. We need to like put on a smile and make sure we look as nice as everyone else. And then we'll yeah. tell everyone we're fine. And then we'll come back home and argue, argue, argue. Oh, yeah. And there's none of that whole, um, I'm sick. I still have to go to church because what is so-and-so going to think if they find <gasps> out that I'm not at church thing going on? That is not a Oh, thing. my gosh. I dream for the day that that is, like, socially acceptable worldwide. Because it still isn't. No. It in the it, pandemic, it still it, isn't. It does not exist in the Philippines. Like, if you're sick, they're home. That's beautiful. Amazing. I loved it. It's, it's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. Proceeding forward. <laughs> All right. So we did, I, at least I wanted to, I thought it'd be fun to mention a few distinct differences in the LDS culture and doctrine. At least for myself, I always find it very interesting. And like, I started having to like work on a list basically to make sure I do understand the difference and that, you know, like the spiritual cornerstones that I'm building are actual doctrine and not culture. Yeah. All right, so let's go through some of these. Number one, for the core LDS doctrine, Christ established his church, the gospel, while he was on the earth. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, faith, repentance, baptism by immersion, by one holding proper authority, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. So that's one. All right, number two is the restoration of the gospel through the prophet Joseph Smith. So as we know, the church was taken away for a period of time known as the apostasy, and it was restored through the calling of another prophet by God. And that is how we have the church today. Yes. Awesome. All right. Three, continuing revelation, which is one of my favorite aspects about our 
church um, that we continue to receive revelation personally through modern day prophets and individuals is something that we can continue to receive for ourselves yes number four is the book of mormon is a complement to the bible and a witness of the divinity of jesus christ and it also is known as the keystone of our religion which holds everything together mm. so as soon as you gain a testimony on the book of mormon everything else just falls into place Pretty much, yes. Awesome. Okay, next one, number five, plan of salvation. Yes. Or plan of mercy, plan of happiness, etc. You know it. Plan of salvation, meaning we are all children of God. We lived with him before this life as spirits, and we will return to live with him again one day um, because of the atonement. Good stuff. Yes. Number six, we have the 13 articles of faith. All we believe statements. Very true. Perfect. I love those. They're very concise. And then for number seven, we have our commandments and the covenants, uh, such as the law of chastity, word of wisdom, the Ten Commandments, and so on. Like those, those are real commandments that were given to us by the Lord through our prophets. So they're real. Yeah. So those are core doctrines. Those are just a few of them. Um, mm -hmm. So now we're going to turn into cultural beliefs that shoot off of our doctrine. So these no. are more fun and things that you've probably heard before. So number one is no dating until you're 16. And even then, don't date steadily. You can only date in group dates. Well, okay, sorry. Um, number two, no rated R movies. <gasps> but even some PG-13 movies. I, I know some people who like still won't watch PG-13. And I know like a lot of people who really weren't allowed to watch PG-13 movies until after they were like actually 15. There are reasons. I get it. So depends on the family. Uh, yeah. All right. Number three, not being able to say no to a calling. Oof. I, I did hear someone who did that once and I was just like, <gasps> blasphemy. No, it's <laughs> not. You, you, you can say no. It's okay. Please. Yeah. Like if you need to do it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I need to stop like adding things onto every one of them. I, they're just, they just bug me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Continuing on my least favorite. The teachings of chastity by using a used candy bar, a piece of gum, toothpaste, using an analogy that shows that sex is bad and will destroy us. And that your worth is diminished because you have had sex before marriage. Yes, that garbage. Okay, so number five is over-the-top lesson <laughs> preparations for Sunday school or Relief Society. <laughs> Which, for reference... Go back to watching mm -hmm. the RM where the mom is literally yes. carving the Salt Lake Temple out of ice. <laughs> Honestly, I think about that so much. And then, like, cuts to the men who are just like, wait, who's teaching again this week? Are you? Yeah. I just taught. I don't want to teach again. Uh, do you have the book? Can I use it? Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. it's so it's super funny. Like, I mean, I think you should have some idea of what's going on and know when you are teaching. But unless you're really passionate and have the time and really want to, you don't need to cut out the Salt Lake Temple from ice. Yeah, please don't. It's okay. It's okay if you don't. It's okay. Okay, another cultural belief, which is very interesting, um, is the, the kind of activities that are allowed on the Sabbath. Oh, yeah, I hate that one. Okay, number seven. We have the fullness of the gospel. Therefore, we know better than anyone else what the Lord would do and say if he were here, which is basically the super judgmental mentality that we see a lot from certain members of the church. Yep. And that is not okay. You don't get to be the mouthpiece of the Lord to other people unless you're the prophet, basically. Like, stop, please. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then, of course, number eight, you have to be a Republican because that's the Lord's political party. Yeah. That's not the case. Like, no, it's not. We, there's, the church keeps saying it's not going to get into politics, and there, there's a reason for that. Like, you, you don't have to be a Republican. You can be independent. You can be a libertarian. You can be a Democrat. You can be whatever. Like, as long as you're following the doctrine, then you will find a political party that fits closest with your personal beliefs and the revelation that you've received yeah i mean there's so many more that we could probably go on for days about but honestly we also have to remember that we have a unique lingo that is very unfamiliar to people not of our faith for example <laughs> mm -hmm. non-member a person not of our faith 
<laughs> yes. Warder branch, which are my favorites because it's so hard to explain sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's basically a congregation of church members. Yeah. A, yeah. A ward is big and then the branch is small. Yes. All right. A stake or district center. It is a building where all the members in the area meet together at one time. It is not a place where you get stakes, although that would be nice. And Honestly, if it came with a complimentary stake every time we went there, then heck yes. But heck yes. Okay. It's okay. All right. Convert, someone who is recently baptized, someone who's recently come into the church and has that newfound testimony. An investigator is someone learning about the church or being taught by the missionaries. And there are so many other words that we could throw so in many. here again. But again, like, we're very different. When people mm -hmm. are new to the church, we have to remember that they are adjusting to an entirely different world than the world in which they previously <laughs> lived. We Heck have yeah. to give people time to acclimate, to learn, adapt, and we have to be the ones that are willing to help them along the way. Because just from the cultural beliefs that shoot off our doctrine that we've already listed and the words that we've just listed, there are so many more. But people get culture shock when they join the church. They are coming into something completely new and different. It's a lot for them. So be patient with them and help them along the way. So we talked about how culture is a problem because it's 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 not it's not tangible enough. It's just something that we use to jump off of from the doctrine and everything. It, it's just it's not real and it changes. Like we said earlier, like the procedures change and everything. Like that happens. And so our next section is talking about why focusing on culture can become problematic. Um, in case we haven't already made it clear, you know, we just we just have more to share on that. <laughs> So there's a great article from our church website. It's titled, Many Struggles with Faith are Based on Mormon Culture, Not Doctrine, as said by a professor, uh, Professor Braithwaite at BYU, I believe. And he talks about a lot of great things, honestly, in this article. I, okay, all the articles shared in this episode are super good, and everyone needs to read them in their entirety. But the professor Braithwaite says, he said, most people remain throughout their lives in, in Fowler's stage three faith, which is a synthetic conventional faith characterized by conformity to authority, a strong cultural element to religious life and us versus the world perspective and ignoring any conflicts with one's belief due to the fear of threat from inconsistencies. It felt like I kind of got slapped in the face when I first read this, and I loved it because that—that's what we—that's what we do. That's what, at least what I did all my life. Like I ignored, like, oh, it doesn't matter that Joseph Smith had a lot of wives, and we never talk about it. It's okay that these weird things happen. We just don't have to talk about it. Like that's okay. But no, like, and it should—and it shouldn't be an us versus the world. It should be us and the world, and us and our brothers and sisters in the world. And it's—it's it's not healthy for us to ignore any inconsistencies. We don't necessarily need to seek them out, but we need to seek to understand them. And we don't need to immediately just shun anything. Like, And I, I know I've done that before. I'm like, no, that never happened. No, that's a lie. No, where are your sources? I have been that person. And then I change because you can do that. So when there are inconsistencies, then you know what? Seek them out. Go to the doctrine. Pray about it. Talk to your church leaders and friends if that helps. And seek to better understand something that so that hopefully you can make it work with your faith. I love this next quote from the same article that explains mm -hmm. stage three faith a little bit further. It says, yes, stage three faith, I think, opens you up to being the most vulnerable to a faith crisis because it establishes a set of expectations that are impossible to achieve. They live in a world that's binary. It's black and white, where the church is all good and couldn't possibly do anything not good. And the world is wicked and bad. And so I love this quote because of everything that you just said, Kaylee. You were living in that <laughs> bubble of the church is good. They always say good things. We don't need to talk about the bad things because the world is bad and the church is not bad. And thinking that the church is like ultimately perfect opens you up to so many problems when you are faced with conflict from the outside when you're faced with those questions that we've been talking about for months of like well what about this person from church history that said this about this mm -hmm. certain race or what about this person in church history that said this about the LGBTQ community like 
you open mm-hmm. yourself up to a faith crisis, really, because you won't know how to Honestly, answer the yeah. questions and you won't know how to have this dialogue. You have to remember that perfectionism is not possible within the church itself. It's run by people, which we've already said at the beginning of the episode. And every church in the world has elements of humanity attached to them because they are run by humans who are fallible and imperfect beings. So just remember that no church is perfect. There are all flaws. However, we do know, or I know, that our church is true based on the gospel doctrines that we teach and we hold close, not because the church itself is perfect. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well said. It's been an ongoing like mind explosion for me over the last couple of years that this is a thing because I don't feel that I was necessarily brainwashed. I just didn't really take anyone seriously when they were like, when people told me that I can question anything. Mm-hmm. I felt that if I wanted to be a good member of the church, then I would accept what I was told, deny anything else and go on with my life Yeah, and, and think that's okay. Whereas it isn't. And I've struggled a lot through my personal life and through my faith because of it, which I mean, is honestly okay because I didn't need that growth and I'm happier who, being who I am now. And I just love this article, how it talks so much about this and how much we need to be prepared to understand where our faith is and the kind of struggles that we might be facing. I really like how uh, Braithwaite said uh, that there is a pretty key difference between a healthy striving toward trying to become like our Savior, realizing that the only way to do that is to yoke ourselves to Christ through covenants and thinking that you need to become perfect on your own, like we just discussed. And then for this reason, Braithwaite said that it is important to distinguish between what he calls cultural Mormonism, which is based on Mormon culture and conversations, and doctrinal Mormonism, which is based on the scriptural canonized theology of the church. And I think a lot of our struggles, like we've said, especially you, Tracy, a lot of our struggles will kind of go away once we have our testimonies in place, once we have our faith in place with what is doctrinally true. He went on to say that I think many struggles with faith are struggles with cultural Mormonism. They're not necessarily rooted in the canonized theological doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, (laughs) like, I don't know. I I think about my growing up and why I felt like I didn't fit in a lot with the church. And I know a lot of people who felt that way. And looking back, I can see that it's because we had a hard time with this, with the culture, because sometimes it is backwards. Sometimes it is contradictory and sometimes it is hurtful. Yeah. Like that happens because that's what mankind is and is going and is capable of doing. Um, Whereas the truth, when we stick to the doctrine, that's going to ease a lot of issues and a lot of troubles. And I have found that in the past couple of years, in focusing more on my faith and my on personal revelation and on doctrine, like that's changed a lot. I've stopped struggling with a lot of things, and it is so nice because I have enough struggles in my life to worry about everything else. Yeah. So I just want to round out this article by mm-hmm. what he basically concludes with, which is. Having questions is normal, but it's important to face them head on and address them early to avoid the risk of becoming cynical. There is something that we can do to help them move forward, but it requires an awful lot of work. It requires discipleship. And I really love this quote because it just fully encompasses everything that we've been trying to talk about this entire episode (laughs) amidst Mm -hmm. our technological issues. Um, No, (laughs) that like having these questions and having problems with how something sits with you in church is okay and it's normal, but it's important that you actually address those questions and figure out what the truth is and how you can move forward with this knowledge instead of sinking into a crisis of faith deeper and deeper and deeper and ignoring the problem. Mm. And I love that it says it requires a lot of work. It requires discipleship, which it does. You have to do the work of Jesus Christ if you want to get the answers that you're looking for. So put in the effort, get the reward. Exactly. I like that. All right. Continuing on with another article. In LDS Living, there is an article uh, titled Culture versus Doctrine. Are we trying to raise the Lord's standards? So this talks a lot about 
Brent L. Top and Wendy C. Top and their book, Finding Inner Peace, Lessons Learned from Trying Too Hard. These two people, they share deeply personal experiences about how trying to live the cultural gospel took a serious toll on Wendy and the entire family as she suffered a breakdown and battled clinical depression. Been there. Feel that. Mm -hmm. As Wendy began to evaluate the cause of her pain and exhaustion, she realized that there are two main standards we often set up for ourselves in the church. The Lord's standard and a social standard. One day she made a list of the Lord's commandments. In the second column, next to each one, she then wrote the more stringent interpretations that had evolved in Latter-day Saint culture. And it's kind of like the list that we already offered. And I do encourage people to create their own list, things that they can keep as a reminder um, of what is doctrine and what is not. Um, if they do need a list, some of us do, I feel that. But just as a daily reminder of what is true doctrine and things that we don't have to prescribe to if we don't want to. Yes. This next Sorry. bit. When I read this, you can see I bolded like that little section. In it. But like, <laughs> yes, I love this section because this is amazing. So Wendy continues by saying, perhaps they had come about in the same way as the well-intended fences that had grown around the law of Moses among the scribes and the Pharisees. In order to avoid breaking any commandment, they prescribed a set of more particular, more strict observances that would keep them from even coming near to violating the law. And that enabled them to demonstrate a supposedly greater faithfulness than what was required in keeping a particular commandment. In their zealousness, however, they often became obsessed with the letter of these lesser laws while overlooking and offending the spirit of the original law. Worst of all, they set up such performances as the standard of righteousness, judging others unrighteously. A good example was their blasphemous attempt to condemn Jesus Christ for healing a man on the Sabbath. I yes. freaking love this quote because that is entirely what is happening with the church culture. Like we talked about the example of the word of wisdom, how the letter or no, the spirit of the law is our bodies are temples. We mm -hmm. need to take care of them. That's yeah. it. It gives you a few examples of things to avoid and to partake of in order to obey this law. Mm -hmm. But then we as members of the church go crazy and we're like, well, we can't have coffee because there's caffeine in it, which means that we can't have caffeinated sodas. We can't have anything that has caffeine in it. We can't even have mm -hmm. chocolate and just going yeah. so far over the deep end that it's like you can never obey this law. Like mm -hmm. there's no way that you can. And so I loved this quote specifically because we really can't behave like the scribes <laughs> and the Pharisees. Christ yeah warns about that so many times in the scriptures especially mm -hmm. during his ministry yes like, half the time he's straight just like talking to church leaders and saying you guys are doing it wrong like yes. he's not scolding the poor he's not scolding the sick he's telling everyone being like this isn't doctrine what are you doing like yeah. let's go back to the doctrine please and i also like that it's a reminder that it's good intentions people are wanting to do the right thing but they're taking it too far <laughs> and that is dangerous and hurtful. Yes. Love it. Okay. Um, so continuing with, as Wendy made her list, she realized that she had fallen into that trap with almost every commandment. She had been practicing the gospel according to popular interpretation instead of living the gospel according to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love that. Love that. Yeah. Love that. So ultimately, it was her own fault, but she realized that in many ways, traditional Latter-day Saint society, not the institutional church itself, may have contributed to her confusion. I, I just love that. And I think it just highlights a lot of really good points that we need to keep in mind that we are commanded to do a lot of things and it's going to be more reasonable things. I, I always come back to how we're told to be perfected and yes, we do need to do that, but that's not possible in this lifetime and it's not up to us to judge others or to tell others how to live and trying to follow that. And mm -hmm. we need to pay attention to what version of the gospel that we're really living in accordance yeah. with. Yeah. I feel like when we are focusing so heavily on the culture of the church and what like the popular interpretation of the gospel is, uh -huh. we are becoming like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Israelites who put further restrictions and pressures on ourselves to live the letter of the law. By doing so, we're forgetting the spirit of the law itself. 
we are Mm -hmm. focusing too much on the rules and regulations and the policies, and we are forgetting how merciful the Savior is who only cares that we are trying our best. When we focus Mm -hmm. on the culture, we're losing sight of the doctrine and we're losing sight of the Savior, which is the biggest problem that we are facing when we do that. He's the cornerstone. He's the one we need to be really prioritizing and not letting other things get in our way. This article also points out a quote by President Russell Nelson back in the Ensign from 1995 in his uh, piece titled Perfection Pending. And he said, my heart goes out to conscientious saints who, because of their shortcomings, allow feelings of depression to rob them of happiness in life. We all need to remember men are that they might have joy, not guilt trips. We've, we've talked about guilt cultures, and the church can very much be one of those because that's our culture, and we forget to focus on the doctrine, like the Israelites and the Pharisees. This is what we're saying it needs to be changed, that we need to personally be working on. Yeah, um, exactly. And, our, and most importantly, our relationship with Heavenly Father. Yeah. When we focus so heavily on the culture of the church instead of the doctrine of the church, it really does take a toll on our mental health and our self-esteem, just like Wendy Top talked about in that article. There is a scholarly article from BYU called The Effects of LDS Doctrine versus LDS Culture on Self-Esteem that goes really deep into how LDS culture can play in our lives and how it can affect one another. And so I just wanted to share one quote from it, um, because if we do the entire article, we'll be here for like nine years. So that'll be for another yes. time. Uh-huh. But this this quote says, feeling positive influences from a culture is often conditional upon living in a socially acceptable manner. LDS cultural pressure seems to place much emphasis on perfection in physical and mental and spiritual matters. This perfectionism, as discussed by Rice, Lever, Christopher, and Porter in 2006, is detrimental to self-esteem. Finding that the LDS cultural stimulus yielded lower self-esteem confirms our hypothesis. And that's like their conclusion of the Mm -hmm. entire study. If we are so heavily focused on the culture and living up to what LDS society, quote unquote, expects of us, then we are going to hurt ourselves more than what the actual doctrine of our gospel teaches us about ourselves. The doctrine teaches us that we are children of God with divine nature and divine potential and we are amazing. But culture teaches us that we are only as good as the person next to us at church. So. Focus on the doctrine more. Yes, exactly. So there is a line between church and doctrine. So we are now going to kind of dive into where the line does exist and how we draw the line. Because it does need to be drawn. Culture is not doctrine. And like that that's basically where the divide is. By not yeah. sticking to our doctrine hardcore, then we're straight into culture and other things that are not necessarily correct. Okay, so this can happen often when we meet someone who lives differently than us, whether they are part of the church or not. Like, it comes from good intentions, like we've discussed just moments before with the Pharisees. We want to love them and correct their path innately, even when it's not up to us to judge or help them. Um, But then that ends up crossing a line. We can end up crossing a line when we try to tell them what to do and how to live, because that's not up to us. Ultimately, it's up to us to support one another and set an example. Honestly, we are not here to judge or tell each other what to do. Period. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so there is a fun article called Culture Eats Doctrine for Breakfast by Leading Saints. And <laughs> I like that title. <laughs> that's a good one, right? <laughs> so it talks about how the, the topic of culture is also addressed in BYU Education Week. Um, that was attended by the writer of this article. And so they participated in one class titled Help Thou Mine Unbelief, Supporting Those We Love Through Crises of Faith. So in this class, uh, the professor used a dichotomy of cultural Mormonism versus doctrinal Mormonism, as we've discussed so far. So he mentioned after casual watch of Saturday's Warrior, some members of the church think they have a pretty solid understanding of how the premortal existence works. Okay, but... (laughs) No, that crazy. I saw it. I saw Saturday's Warrior when I was like a little kid, and I don't remember much. But the things I do remember is like, oh, so that's how heaven works. I totally had that thought, and 
I have never seen this movie, so I don't know anything about it. There's a warrior. It okay. happens on a Saturday. That's all I got. So basically, from what I from what I dimly recall, is how there's like a part in heaven where like the, this guy and girl are being like, okay, yeah, we're gonna meet, blah blah blah. Like here's heaven, blah blah blah. Okay, now we're on earth, and here's all these struggles, and they're struggling with their faith and all these things, and it's like, yeah, but in heaven we were like this, and all these other things. From what I very dimly recall, because I was like four. But it always left an impression with me. And that is how I thought things worked. And I thought it was basically doctrine. And that's not necessarily true. So that is a serious example of cultural Mormonism versus doctrinal Mormonism. We can pull things from doctrine to create our own interpretation. But when we do that, that is still culture and not doctrine. And he just talks about how when we dig deeper and study and research, we realize doctrinal Mormonism is much more nuanced, which makes it more applicable to each life it touches. Or we think that falling to prophet means their revealed revelation should never be pondered or hard for anyone to follow because that means you're questioning divine direction. That is cultural Mormonism. Doctrinal Mormonism is when we give space for others to digest new revelation, knowing they need more time to take it to the Lord in prayer to receive confirmation in their own way. And like that's what we were talking about before. like. If, if there is doctrine, then we will receive personal revelation. Um, we can receive revelation for anything, really. So even if it's like an important piece of culture that we personally need in our lives, we can receive revelation for that. So I'm going to share the analogy by Brent Top, who we have already discussed earlier, was a or is a BYU religion professor and a former dean. And his wife, Wendy, had that great thing about the scribes and the Pharisees that we already shared. But he shares an analogy about the difference between church culture and doctrine. He likened the difference between church doctrine and culture to an old handcart wagon wheel. The hub of the wheel is the most important part of the wheel, tying it to the wagon, holding everything together and giving it strength. He explained that the hub is the gospel of the church. The core doctrines of the church within that hub are very few and the center specifically on Jesus Christ and his atonement and resurrection. It is he that gives strength to all other things. The spokes of the wagon wheel are important as well, but without the hub, they are basically just kindling. They are just sticks. He likens the spokes to the principles and ordinances of the church, including faith and baptism. The only way that they have power is to be anchored in Jesus Christ, adding that the spokes, the principles and ordinances are meant to lead people back to Jesus Christ. All right. Yes. I love this. So good. Continuing, surrounding all of this is the rim of the wagon wheel. Top explained that just as the rim holds the wheel together so it can fulfill its intended purpose, without the hub and the spokes, it would collapse. In the church, he likens this to programs and policies of the church that are intended to lead us back to the hub and enable the church to move along its intended path. But they have no saving power. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. He added that just like the recent change from visiting and home teaching to focused ministering, this packaging has changed throughout the years and adapted to the church's needs at any given time. As the church becomes more of a global organization, church leaders are working to reduce and simplify church teachings to the core doctrine to make it fit within different cultures. You can really visualize it, but essentially, like, it brings us back to focusing on what the actual doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ are. Think about just the pandemic and how we have survived. Like, we Mm -hmm. didn't have regular church meetings. We didn't have young men or young women's during the week. We didn't have primary. We didn't have Relief Society or Elders Quorum. We didn't have activities. We didn't have trek, campouts, dances, or any of the other shiny programs that we tout in the church. What did we have instead? We had Come Follow Me Home Study. We had the scriptures. We had the words of the prophet and the apostles that we could read online or in books. We had family history work that we could do from home. And if you had access to it, we had priesthood holders giving us the sacrament. Trim away all of the excess stuff that clouds our focus. And what did we have? We had the true core doctrines and foundations of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that we've said it before, but the Mm -hmm. pandemic has really been a time for us to revisit and strengthen our testimonies of the gospel and not the church itself. Once again, 
we've said it already at the top of this episode, but again, when we focus our testimonies on the gospel, we have that sure foundation. Do not base your testimony on the church itself. Base it on the gospel and base it on Jesus Christ. It is that hub of the wagon wheel that we need to be focusing on. Agreed. Well said. And I'm I'm kind of laughing because it's such a Mormon type of analogy, a wagon wheel. It really um, is. <laughs> but it's still so relevant. Yeah. And it's so important. And yes, we, we want those programs and they but they're they are meant to lead us to Jesus Christ. And that is supposed to be the core. Yes. I I just love that. And it's so funny because like the hub itself still has a lot of purpose on its own. It does. Every piece is helpful. Yeah. I just love that idea of without having the spokes and without having the whole, like the rim of the wheel will collapse and it will do nothing. Like it will break. So like if you are only basing your testimony on that rim of like the programs and the policies of the church, then you are missing the entire point. You have drawn the line in the sand in the wrong place. (laughs) Like you really have. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Which is why we're pointing it out, so we can all fix that. Yay. Um, yay. All right, so there is a great quote by Henry B. Iron pulled from the Herald's Extra article. He said that God is an unchangeable God, but as the church moves to every nation and people, and in the last days, we can expect and take joy in new messages coming from God through the prophet. The gospel will not change, but we need personal revelation to feel the hand of the Lord when practical ways of doing things are changed by the Lord through his prophet. It will also take personal revelation to be able to see that a new way of doing things is better than the ways we have enjoyed. And I just really like that quote because it is a good reminder um, of what we've really just discussed, that God will not change, but the church does. And it kind of needs to. And that's a good thing. That's okay. So when we're changing up primary, when we're changing up ministering, that's supposed to happen. And that's okay. And there are better ways for us to continue to learn how to do things because we're ever-changing human beings in an ever-changing world. And as long as we keep to the core principles of what everything is about, then we can find our way back to our Lord, back to Heavenly Father. So it's like the programs are like, okay, minister, and we need to help out one another. We need to be there for one another. We need to love one another, mourn with those that mourn, etc. And that takes us down the wagon wheel into the center, basically. I know that we've talked about this article from the Ensign before by Lawrence Corbridge of the, well, he's an Emeritus 70. It was in the September 2020 Ensign, but it really boils it back down to your primary and secondary questions. Everything we've talked about today, Elder Corbridge said that your primary questions refer to Things like, am I a child of God? Does he love me? Do I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do I believe that Joseph Smith was the prophet of the restoration? Do I believe that Russell M. Nelson is the prophet today? These are all doctrinal questions. These are Mm -hmm. the questions that we need to continuously refresh our testimonies on. That is gospel doctrine. That is the spiritual cornerstone that we have discussed, and it's the foundations that we need in our hearts and our testimonies. It's the truth that we hold close to our hearts as an entire church. We need to be focusing on the doctrine and not the culture. The doctrine is what holds us together. The culture mm-hmm. does not. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love that. So do we sometimes lose focus on what the doctrine is? Yes, that happens. It's understandable. The random lines members draw in the sand regarding the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law can be very confusing and overwhelming. But we can't be like the Israelites and create stricter laws to make sure we follow the laws already instituted by God and the Savior. That's not what we want. That's not what we need. And Christ showed us that's not the way to go. We don't have to be perfect, and we certainly aren't better than anyone around us because of the gospel we have. But the gospel is there to help us continuously work on improving ourselves and driving closer to him. And that's what we need to focus on. At the end of the day, when questioning or confused about the line between culture and doctrine, ask yourself, is this helping me draw closer to the Savior? Think about it. If it is, keep going and know that you've made a good decision for yourself because you don't get to make it for someone else. If it is not bringing you closer to the Savior, then do something about it. Don't think that it applies to everyone else. Like this life is about learning and working on yourself so that you can draw closer to our Heavenly Father. Along this path, it is not your job to drag someone. 
or to point out where they are on their path. That is not your call. Yeah. I just love that idea of thinking, is this helping me draw closer to the Savior? If it is, Mm -hmm. keep going, keep it moving. If it's not, stop it. We really need to remember as people and as a church and as members of this church that the revelations that we receive about certain doctrines and about everything that we experience in the church is meant for us. It's not meant for us to dictate how other people live their lives. Mm -hmm. So if it's good for you, good. Keep it going. Keep it moving. If it's not, keep it moving. Just keep it moving. Stop worrying about everybody else. Stop worrying about everybody else. Focus on yourself. Focus Mm -hmm. on your spiritual growth and worry about what you're doing to become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. That's Mm it. Amen to that. And as we do that, then our church culture will improve as well. Yes, please. Yeah. Let's make that happen, you guys. We can do it. Yes, we can. 2020 is the year. Well, maybe not 2020. The year's almost over. 2021. 2020 is a dumpster fire, and we're going (laughs) to toss it into the bushes and leave it there. 2021. 2021 will be the year of us changing our church culture. That's what it'll be. There we go. 2020 has been a prep year, and we may have all failed it. I don't know. Inconclusive scores. We will use what we've learned and proceed forward. So, please... As you go on with your life, as you consider the teachings that you were given, that you share with others, keep in mind the correlation to doctrine versus culture and how that can apply in your own life. Yeah. So thanks for listening today, guys. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate this. We hope you enjoyed some of it, at least. Revisit your own (laughs) cultural ideas of what the church is like and revisit doctrine. And for fun check out Sons of Provo because it's a good cultural reset that we all need every now and then. (laughs) Something refreshing. It comes back full circle. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.